to Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and streaming on the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. We are sharing with you an expanding dialogue on interfaith understanding and a celebration of our shared spiritual quest. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I am Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. And although people can't see it over the radio, Don is smiling in glee that he was once again able to recite the entire name of his church accurately. With one breath. Yeah, it was really good. And, you know, some people tested in Seattle by holding their breath under the Mount Baker tunnel on I-90. You ever do that? No. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a spiritual <laughs> discipline where you, you take a breath as you enter into the tunnel and you just... Let that carry through, and one of your disciplines has to do with reciting the name of your church. And if you do it enough times, you'll be able to levitate, you see? (laughs) Spiritual practice. Amen. So we are um, completing three-quarters of a year uh, at this 5 o'clock hour on KKNW. Next week... On the 26th of April, we begin our new time on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. I believe it's 25th or 25th. 25th. Well, then we'll be here on the 25th. (laughs) Um, At least the Wednesday was right, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Wednesday, April 25th at 2 p.m. So you might want to mark that. This is one of those uh, days of light and of shadow of tragedy and of blessing, and I guess along the way today we will be sharing energies of both. In a little while, we'll welcome Dr. Pat Basili onto the show, and it is really because of her that we are on the radio to begin with. But today we are, in various ways, reeling under the news, the weight of the news from Virginia. Mm-hmm that at a college called Virginia Tech, at least 33 are dead, including a gunman. And once again, we are reminded of the underlying violence that threatens to erupt at any moment in our culture, in our society, and in our world. We live in a world where we are beset by images of violence, images of horror. And I suppose that's why we're doing what we're doing. At the same time, as we confront that image, one of the things we wanted to talk a little bit about was the weekend we shared in Vancouver with Spiritual Directors International, uh, sharing with some 600 people a quest right. of incredible open-heartedness. There's such a beautiful connection here because in that particular conference, uh, as you said, 600 people, one could sense there was such a deep, authentic hunger mm-hmm. 
what can only be described as a hunger for a connection with the sacred, uh, with presence, uh, with something beyond human personality. And I guess I should not be surprised that when Liz Elman, who's the head of that uh, uh, wonderful global organization, Spiritual Directors International, she was saying that her website receives 600 hits a day on average. There is this longing for that connection with the sacred. Right. I think being present in uh, Vancouver for that conference, I was impressed by the deep need for direction, for spiritual direction that we as a world have at this time. And the the events of uh, today in Virginia are a reminder, as Ted has said, that one of our siblings in humanity has felt a sadness and anger so deep that 33 people are dead and many others are wounded, and the country is reeling once again from a circumstance where 30 years ago I I think we wouldn't have imagined this could happen. I mean, security in general was so different even um, prior to uh, the assassination of Kennedy. um, I mean, there have been assassinations before, but being in public... um, has not been a particular worry in the United States. It's It's been a worry elsewhere in the world. But we live in a world that is in need of spiritual direction and guidance, reassurance, uh, a world that needs to be reacquainted with its own stories about how people in these traditions have coped with these kinds of things and how they've gotten through the valley of the shadow of death and so forth. And also communities of compassion and caring and nurturance where this sort of uh, sterile isolation and the uh, creation of situations like this uh, can really be diminished because it it really points to the uh, truth that we all have to do the inner work of resolving our unresolved anger, grief, sadness, pain, because if it's unresolved, then we see what happens. It becomes like a crisis. It just bursts out, uh, totally out of proportion. And I also feel... uh, and I'd love to emphasize that, that without that womb of compassion, that circle of love, a circle of trust, it is so difficult to have that nurturance within which this work can be done. One of the things about the spiritual director's uh, project is being willing and being present for another's story and being in a position of supporting and authenticating that story that is shared no matter what it is, stories of our failures, stories of our successes, stories of our yearnings, stories of our abundance, mm-hmm. uh, stories of the difficult times, stories of the full times, which cuts across that isolation you were mentioning, Jamal, yes. and figuring out how to encourage a kind of conversation which would help us identify more clearly those moments when we're in deep trouble and when others around us are in a kind of trouble that needs to be addressed. And really comes down to basics, connecting one-to-one, uh, caring, authentically caring, uh, truly uh, working on one's spirituality. And as you were saying, validating not only our stories, but also the stories of our feelings, not denying them, not pushing them away, 
not being filled with shame, but to have that environment, that community where we can share the stories of our feelings, because every feeling is valid, just energy, begging to be embraced, begging to be heard. And there's a, there's a crying out, there's a shrieking, uh, longing for that to be heard. If it's repressed, it's bound to explode. And the whole issue of the availability of weapons. Like the first thing apparently that our president announced upon hearing the news was that he was still in favor of people being able to have weapons. I mean, let nobody get any sense of unclarity that any disturbance he might have would be reflected in any desire for gun control. It's like all the other weapons of mass destruction, like drugs, Mm -hmm. they're illegal. You know, but the ones that actually have triggers, they're okay. They're okay. You know, we we last the last two shows we've been talking about the themes of Passover and Monday Thursday, and and um, we've asked Jamal to talk a little bit about themes from Islam that that coordinate with the themes of enslavement, the movement from enslavement to freedom. And I'm thinking, and we're thinking that we have an example here of someone who was clearly imprisoned by. Uh, a feeling of isolation, anger, um, a diminishment of self-worth, and all the things that must... I mean, we can't even imagine how those things come together in a moment when you're willing to pull the trigger and kill 32 other people. Who who knows what they have to do with you? Um, maybe it's just an expression of anger. But that isolation... I mean, ideally, each of our, our faiths teaches that when pr- one person is isolated, we're all imprisoned exactly. in a kind of isolation. And once again, it's time to imagine, and not just to imagine, but to actually take steps, steps towards some kind of exodus, some sort of holy week, some kind of night journey mm-hmm. uh, to Jerusalem, some kind of thing where we actually feel that movement within the providence of God, within the grace of God, from enslavement to freedom. It has to be a, a genuine uh, willingness from within to want to connect to want to really care, to know that we really are interconnected, and that, as you always talk about, Don, about the other, uh, the other is also myself, but to really, uh, from deep within, from my heart, really feel that on a, at a heart level. Thou canst not, as I love this poetry, thou canst not pluck a petal without the troubling of a star. We are that interconnected. Amen. So it's a matter of finding those people around you whose stories you don't know, and being available to whatever extent possible to receive. It's like even a person homeless sitting uh, in a storefront and pausing for a moment and Mm -hmm. speaking Mm -hmm. as if they were a regular human being Mm -hmm. and inviting a piece of story, inviting the people who we tend to marginalize, Mm. inviting the people we tend to push away. You know, this new strategy in banks in Seattle that has resulted in a diminishing Mm -hmm. of robberies. I've heard, yes, beautiful. Is uh, that when somebody suspicious comes in, wear, you know, a hat, our glasses, rather than responding the way generally people respond by pulling back and getting silent, walking right up to that person and greeting that person warmly Mm. 
and welcoming them into that place and asking them to sit down and saying, would you be more comfortable if you took off your hat and took off your glasses? Mm -hmm. And is there anything that we can help you with? And there's finding, surprisingly, that many of these people wind up just leaving. Nothing like having your self-worth affirmed. Being welcome. Amen. And I suppose in whatever ways... I think we're about to take a break, and uh, just as we do so, it's a number when we talk about 33 dead, but each of those numbers represents a human being, a family, a whole constellation of Mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. And so we seek to, along with our listeners, open our hearts and open our minds to support with light, with love, with blessing, all those whose lives have been shattered on this day. Amen. Amen. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We'll be right back. University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. Release the negative emotions from your past to bring you your dreams into reality. The Empowering Your Life Seminar transforms the way you think. It helps you remove the blocks that prevent you from doing, having, or changing what you want. Limiting decisions, limiting beliefs, and conflicting values can be eliminated. Call 1-800-800-MIND or go to nlp.com to learn about the May 4th through 6th event in Seattle. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call. The Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. Would you like one of the most rewarding sales jobs of your life? The Dr. Pat Show has rapidly grown into the number one radio show to thrive by. The Dr. Pat Show is hailed for its remarkable guests, sponsors with integrity, and amazing listeners. Dr. Pat is in search of a creative, self-starting, energetic person to join the marketing team. If you're interested in helping promote and sustain the Dr. Pat Show, please submit your resume to pat at the drpatshow.com. Again, that's pat at the drpatshow.com. This is your opportunity to make a difference in your community and the world. Contrary to popular belief, having a baby is not always a happy, glowing experience. Many women develop a variety of mood problems, most often depression. Thankfully, there are many options available to heal or prevent this debilitating condition. Dr. Shoshana Bennett is shining a light on postpartum depression right here on the Dr. Pat Show. So tune in and find out how to help someone you love. For more information about postpartum depression, visit postpartumdepressionhelp.com. More talk, less rock. Come on, that's a good thing. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you today by Dr. Pat Worldwide and streaming on the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. If you want to enter into our conversation 
if you want to find out more about us, you can look at the website, interfaithtalkradio.com, or you can always reach us while we are on air at 425-373-5527. And we have the really the privilege today of welcoming onto our show Dr. Pat Basili, under whose auspices we have been... Um, Nurtured. <laughs> nurtured, supported, and <laughs> appeared on this radio station for the past three quarters of a year. Right. It's hard to believe mm-hmm. that it's really happening. I still remember when <laughs> the first day we were on the air, Dr. Pat was in the studio next door watching, waiting to see if we would have anything to say. Like, <laughs> And then each of the breaks, she would come running in with uh, her pad, and she would say, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. <laughs> it was just great. It was. Uh, oh, she's just, a wonderful nurturer and yeah, nourisher very, and a guide. Very, guide very, very affirming. So, Dr. Pat, welcome to our show. And I have absolutely no pad and pencil in front of me. I don't <laughs> think I've ever been on air without a pad and pencil. This has got to be a first. And you're sitting in a different seat. You say you have a view out the window. I have window. a view. It's, it's, it's kind of incredible. I, I actually like this. Yeah. <laughs> this could change your whole life. Right? This could change my life. Well, your show has really changed the lives of so many people. And, I, you know, when we look and we think three-quarters of a year has passed, what I love about that is the fact that when I get behind a mic, time stands still. Mm. And that is essentially what I would imagine is happening for for you and that there is a powerful message here and people are really, as you said before, really hungry to listen. People of all ages, people uh, of all cultures. And, you, you know, what do you say really about an event like what happened today? I was so reminded of a day back in my youth um when the, uh, I'll try to be kind with my language, when some young students were shot down at Kent. And and we could probably go back and, and continue to think about times where, where things like this have happened and come to the place where each and every one of us has to decide what we're going to hold in our consciousness around this. <coughs> I mean, really. You know, we're faced with that every minute of the day. What are we going to hold in our consciousness? Today on my show, I I wanted to hold an open heart for all of the souls that were making their way to whatever place they were going mm-hmm. and to the families and the friends and the folks that were waiting to find out and waiting to hear. And yet we turn around and, as you said earlier, Yep, guess there's nothing wrong with folks carrying guns. Might as well run out and get a holster and pack a few in. It's hard to know the line for what's going to serve all of us here on the planet. Yeah. You see, uh, of course, as is always said, uh, guns don't kill, people kill. But then, as is the obvious insight, having a gun carries responsibilities, and it requires that we have that higher consciousness when we have that gun. But so without that, it really is a weapon of destruction. And, uh, and it's amazing that 
America's, I, I think, one of the very few, the only country that allows such widespread use, access to guns. It is as if the, the entire wisdom of the world means nothing. You know, I'll tell you, I've had a lot of uh, exposure over my life to uh, to guns and been around families, been around folks. But I'll never forget, I'll never forget my only trip to Dallas, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I, I remember uh, going to visit friends and we had, um, we had, you know, just come back from the grocery store. And in passing by, I noticed there were police lights and ambulance and a lot of things. And, and of course, we stopped out of curiosity. And the story that was told was that a young person had attempted to rob one of the grocery stores and that upon his walking out of the store was greeted by two or three other trucks of young men who observed that this was happening and basically had their gun hanging behind their their pickup truck and that was the end of that. And I was shocked at some level and yet I'm reminded that we have such freedom here. We really do. There, I don't know that there is another country in the world like ours where we have freedom, we believe in the freedom we have, and even the freedom for you and I to talk about this. I mean, if we were in some other country and we were talking about whether or not we thought we should have guns or not have guns, that plug would be pulled over there that Eric is has got, it, it, you know, having this show go out, and this conversation would end. But here we can come to the table. So the question is, what is the highest level of consciousness that we can bring to the conversation since we are in a place of power in what we communicate? And it's crucial not to deny the tragedy. You know, so it's a matter of opening our hearts wide enough to embrace, to embrace that space of violence, to embrace that space of anguish, to embrace the terrible pain. You know, that just, mm-hmm. I mean, there's pain from this that will go on forever. Mm-hmm. The, uh, there's something about energy that allows one individual in a moment to, in an act of violence, to create ripples of pain and anguish so much deeper than a, another individual could contribute by an act of love. You know, it's like, what is going on here when one appears to be so much more powerful than the other? And the only thing one might imagine is that the reason why the violent act appears so shocking is that the ground on which all this takes place is in fact a compassionate ground and a ground of love. And that's that's contributing all the time. Every day that there's not a shooting, every day that the campus life goes on. We don't give it a thought. Mm. It's like it's just like in most of our lives. As long as things are going fine, 
we tend not to give it a thought. When we're having conflict, when we're having difficulty, then we go, uh, I gotta look at my life, then I gotta practice spiritual principles, then I gotta get things on track. I often realize when I look back at my boxes of old journals that I only existed at moments of crisis. Uh, this was terrible. I look, boy, next year the same thing is terrible. The year after the same thing is terrible. I go on, I write about it, I write about it, and then I disappear. What happened when I disappeared? Things were going okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's the case that violence actually is that much more impactful. I think the fact is we neglect the moments in our lives when we are supported and sustained in a compassionate and loving way, and we fail through that lack of recognition to instill and support that kind of love and compassion for those who are in need. But actually, uh, Brother Ted, I would say that the culture of violence, uh, both in colleges and schools and post offices, etc., etc., has been pretty high. But more than that, we are daily reminded of the culture of violence in the wars we are involved in. Uh, yeah. That's continuous, a continuous barrage. It's almost like it's the other world, uh, and people are numbers, uh, statistics, and that is a big problem. It's almost like we, want, we are numbed to it. We don't want to hear about it. So, I don't know, Dr. Pat, what do you think? You know, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts. I, I, for me, being a, uh, you know, we all remember the Vietnam War, right? right. I mean, we're pretty, yep. we, we could pretty much say we were around then. Yes. I don't know if Eric was around, but we were certainly <laughs> around then. Uh, and I think for me, that was an introduction to the devastation of what one human being can do to another. Uh, I, I don't think even today that historians have been able to rightfully put in, into the context what really happened in that, in that era, in that episode. I know for myself, at a very deep and emotional level, I really cared for people. I really cared for things. And it was a time of action. And so when my show, I talk about action. And so the question, I guess, is what act will we take? What act will each and every one of us take, given this event and given violence? And what will we do? And I, and, and I think that's a question I'd like to hear from you, uh, from the three of you. So it's a great question. Where, how are we in our, yep. I think it's a great question to take with us into the next segment of the show. Dr. Pat Vasily is with us today to ask us nice, easy questions like that. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We'll be right back. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just can't seem to get over this. Change results in loss. With death in the family, divorce, or major illness, there's going to be grief. When you're feeling overwhelmed or like you just can't get through it alone, you can heal through grief counseling. You can call Sybil Lundy at Whole Life Counseling. For nearly 10 years, Whole Life Counseling has been a safe place to come to peace with life changes. Call 206-683-1561 or see my website at wholelifedesigns.com. 
Do you know why there's so much publicity about stem cells? Well, they are the building blocks of our health, the foundation for your everyday healthy renewal. Would you like to harness the power of your own stem cells and increase their production by up to 70%? There is now available a revolutionary science to help your body's natural renewal system. The producers are so confident that you'll feel the difference for yourself, they're offering a week's supply for only $9.95. Just visit AdultStemCellNutrition.com. That's AdultStemCellNutrition.com. Release the negative emotions from your past to bring you your dreams into reality. The Empowering Your Life Seminar transforms the way you think. It helps you remove the blocks that prevent you from doing, having, or changing what you want. Limiting decisions, limiting beliefs, and conflicting values can be eliminated. Call 1-800-800-MIND or go to NLP.com to learn about the May 4th through 6th event in Seattle. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call. The Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. Alternative to what? Alternative to everything else out there on the radio. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back. You're listening to Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you today by Dr. Pat Worldwide. We're on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. We are streaming and archived on the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon of Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman of Interfaith Community Church. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. And we are here sharing today with Dr. Pat Basili. This is our final show after three quarters of a year as part of the Dr. Pat Worldwide Network. We kind of go out on our own starting next week at Wednesday. Our show will be on uh, Wednesdays at at 2 p.m. So we begin on April 25th at 2 p.m. We hope you mark that down. Um, And we have invited Dr. Pat on our show today to give us an opportunity to express our gratitude for all the support she has given us for uh, her expertise in this medium. Uh, This is at least my first radio show. Oh, mine too. And uh, like you were the Ted, I must also express uh, my deepest um, gratitude to you, Dr. Pat, for your graciousness, for your generosity, and for your guidance, and for initiating us. And I can only say amen to all that. Well, uh, you know, I I remember when... um, we first had these conversations and before the break i asked about action and what action what action can each of us take and the action that the four of us together mm-hmm. took was to say yes to taking a very important message out into the world and stepping out and being able to take a chance really not knowing the landscape of what was going to unfold uh and and saying yes to share a message where people can tap in, open up the phone lines. And what I love about this and is that people listening to this show can call in at any time, say what's on their mind, ask a question about any of the above and then some. And no one will be running off to try to find out where they live to persecute them. It doesn't get better than this. Hmm. And so the action that we take here 
is to say, and probably against the odds, we say we're going to take this message out into the world. This is this is a message of empowerment. This is a message of, uh, and, and I said this earlier. I had the, uh, uh, the just the delight of having a conversation with Olivia Newton-John, and that's going to air tomorrow morning at seven on Voice America. And to be at a place of grace and gratitude, and deliver a powerful message, I'd say that's action. I've been thinking about this very important question and um, what I'm hearing and what I've learned actually uh, from all of you, one of the things I've learned is the importance of spiritual practices because that's one defense, I mean that's one way to put it, against the kind of drifting that happens that Ted was describing a few moments ago. When things are okay, we drift. We think, oh, it's okay, and then bang, something happens, and you realize, no, things are not okay. And that's why the book of Psalms has only a couple Psalms that say things are okay and a whole lot of them that say things aren't, and a few that say things are okay again. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm continuing to try to develop my spiritual practices to encourage other people to do the same thing. That's part of what we were doing in Vancouver this past weekend, learning about that, hearing other people's stories, and to see in the face of the other, the face of the Holy One of Being, which means we're all a part of the one. It's not, I mean, the the space between my being and your being is in some ways an illusion. And again, that's something that keeps me, or could keep me from drifting if I practice it, if I practice it. But it has to become habitual, writing about it, talking about it, praying about it, all those things keep, could keep me on track if I were able to focus on them all the time. I don't. I mean, I get caught up in the same things we all get caught up in. And somehow being part of creating a culture of concern rather than simply participating in a culture of retribution to somehow supporting a culture of embrace and inclusiveness rather than a culture of entitlement um, and separation. <clears throat> to somehow look at events as reflections of the kind of culture we have and say, okay, what is needed here? What is this saying is needed? Clearly, more anger is not needed. Mm -hmm. Clearly, more isolation is not needed. Clearly, more uncaring is not needed. So how do we manifest the kind of caring, the kind of open-heartedness, the kind of generosity which would inspire connection, interconnectedness, which would inspire the sense of belonging that could make a clearer statement Mm -hmm. against the kind of mindless violence, the, 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 the kind of dehumanization of one person and another. A few weeks ago when I spoke to the as part of a program at the Veterans Affairs Administration, one of the points that was made, we were talking about spirituality and PTSD, Mm. spirituality and post-traumatic stress disorder, and it became clear that those who were in the field said they don't want to have soldiers treated because they're going to have to go back into war. I mean, this is one of the peculiarities of this particular war. You don't have one tour of duty. You don't have two tours of duty. You have more, and they keep getting extended. Well, we don't really want to 
create health in our soldiers because it doesn't help them kill. A good a good civilian is a bad soldier. A good soldier is a bad civilian. So there, I mean, it's terribly distressing for the healing professionals, and it's terribly distressing for the soldiers. Right. It's like we want to create the kind of the kind of consciousness which will allow healing, and then at the end, we want somehow it should be turned off. And now people are okay, and they're just civilians, and we don't appreciate how wounded this kind of training, mm-hmm. this kind of activity makes people. And this situation which has been brought up today, which has occurred today, tragically, really reminds us that we have to do the work, as you said, Brother Don, on ourselves right now. Only when I change, my entire world changes. What is the violence I am perpetrating? With my words, for example, in my, with my family, with my colleagues, in my community, or by my indifference, which is also an act of violence. What am I doing about my unresolved anger, or my sadness, or any other feelings which I consider negative? What am I really doing about that? And it's time I really begin to heal those feelings. It's time I really begin to heal myself, empower myself, and transform myself on an abiding basis. Right. This is the key. And this is our message that we have to do, each one of us, this inner work. And it has to start with each one of ourselves right now. The time is now. The place is here. And the, for the people who are suffering the most, we have to support them. We have to because create those communities. At, at the moment of suffering, I don't have the energy to do it for myself. You know, I need someone else yes, to reach yes, out absolutely, and absolutely. be able to support me. You know, that's where you can't be indifferent. You see, we cannot be indifferent. Right. That's violence. Right. So action in the world is at every moment. Action at the world is asking in the morning, to what am I called today? Action in the moment is looking at everyone who approaches us and everyone who's around in this moment and saying, to what am I called? What is my purpose here now? What is the meaning of my being here now? And acknowledging that each and every one of us has purpose and meaning in our lives, and to the extent we discover it, it will always have to do with learning to open our hearts and embrace one another and support one another. And every spiritual tradition in this world speaks to that. Absolutely true. And see, whatever is happening is truly a reflection of what is happening in our hearts collectively. Absolutely. It's not an an outside, uh, unexpected or separate event. It really is a projection, a reflection. Right. So yesterday and today are celebrated, uh, are are moments when... uh, the horrors of the Holocaust are yes. celebrated. Mm-hmm. This is Yom HaShoah. Mm-hmm. Rather than calling it Holocaust Remembrance Day, Shoah, which means shattering and destruction, is the word that is uh, more in use. You know, the day marking a almost unimaginable scale of destruction, of inhumanity, of person to person. And it is some kind of some kind of weird confluence and congruence that this event today 
comes in the midst of those energies. And it's it's not to tell us to scream never again. Mm-hmm. It's to tell us to open ourselves so that we don't create the separation of us and them that in fact allowed the Shoah to be, but insist that you know the Pharaoh, the enslaver, and the enslaved are all are inside each mm-hmm. of us, given the right set of circumstances, as the sociologist Milgram displayed many years ago, we can all be the enslavers, we can all cause suffering to our to our fellows, to our brothers, to our sisters. I've often used the phrase, Pharaoh's army is breathing down my neck as, a, as an expression. I'm just about to cross the river. I'm going to get across. It's okay. And then I remember that I'm also Pharaoh's army. I'm, I'm, the, I'm, I'm supporting the status quo, just as you've said. We're all those things. And to think that one of us is one and one is the other is to put that separation or to, imagine, to make real that separation that is really false, that we're all a part of the same thing. I think the model... Like one of the models is compassionate listening, which has created projects where Germans and Jews share stories, where Israelis and Palestinians share stories. I hear even between Holocaust survivors and Holocaust perpetrators. Oh, yes. Share share stories. Mm. To listen to each other, to allow the humanity of the other to... Allow the guilt to be, allow the remorse to be, allow the grief to be, allow the fear to be, and to walk through it together. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. Our discussion today is not a light one, but it's an important one. We are talking about spiritual responses to extremely difficult and painful times. And we'll be right back with you after these words. United Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index.php. We wish you blessings for your life. Called the Oprah of Radio by her listeners, award-winning host Dr. Pat Basile is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit thedrpatshow.com. That's T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com for listening times in your area. Hello, this is Sue Newfeld Ellis. In our fast-paced, busy world, my new CD, Serenity Through Meditation, is just what you need. Through Stephen Halpern's sonic music entrainment and my voice, we will comfortably guide your brainwaves to that theta state of deep relaxation. To order your free copies of 25 Stress Reduction Tips, go to quantumhealing.us or call 425 425- Four five five four two zero seven. Proud to bring variety to your radio dial. Alternative Talk, eleven fifty a.m. 
and welcome back to Interfaith Talk Radio. Coming to you today for the last time associated with Dr. Pat Worldwide. Next week we go out on our own here at KKNW 1150 AM, but on Wednesdays at 2 p.m., beginning on April 25th. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon of Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I am Brother Jamal Rahman of Interfaith Community Church. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ. And we have with us today as our guest, um, Dr. Pat Basili, with whom we have been sharing our gratitude and with whom we have been sharing conversation during this hour. And we have also in the studio Cindy Shell, who is uh, watching us in the studio because she is going to be helping us during the next segment of our show, beginning this, uh, the 25th, as our producer. And during our break, Cindy was telling us some of the questions that occurred to her as we were talking. Um, and we're going to just give Cindy a microphone. Thanks, Rabbi Ted. Um, I had a couple of questions. One is the mentioning of spiritual practices came up as a way of centering as well, and, and the off-centering that came out of not doing your spiritual practices. So I'm interested in a lot of things. I'd love to hear each one of your personal um, sharings about what your spiritual practice looks like in the morning, some of the challenges you've experienced, like when you have a 7 a.m. meeting, the kinds of spiritual practices perhaps one can do to help them get through a crisis like this when they've just experienced an overwhelming tragedy in their life. You mentioned the Holocaust in terms of uh, uh, what kinds of ex- similar experiences or people that families that were affected by the Holocaust um, going to have with the people that were infected by the events in Virginia Tech today. So just kind of the the theme of spiritual practices in terms of how it keeps you centered, how it can get you centered, um, and what do you do when you're off-centered to get back on track? Well, I think Dr. Pat was saying she had a beautiful practice well, she does every morning. You know, morning. the reason I wanted to chime in on this, because I'm not a minister, I'm not a rabbi, and I'm not Brother Pat. And I come from either one of those. And I I come from New York City. And uh, and my listeners that tune in, they've heard the story. And it it truly is. uh, You know, I did wake up one day in 1992 and realized my life was not the way I wanted it to be. I mean, I did. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if I was drugged the night before or what happened. But I did wake up with this empty feeling in my life. And so spiritual practice, I'm really very practical about it. And the way that I, the way that I like to talk about it, uh, for me and for many of the people that may not have, uh, the, 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 what do I want to say? Years and years of spiritual classes that they've taken. You know, maybe the last time I, I'm afraid to touch my Bible. I can't tell you how long it's been since I did that, but, The point is that we can every day come from a place of grace and gratitude. And I ask my listeners, what do they do? For me, what I do is I have one book that I read from in the morning. And it's a book. It's about maybe a half an inch thick. And I get the book and I open it up and I don't really read it in order. But whatever I get to that day, 
I find that there is something that I am meant to cure that day. I really do. And then I'll even take, what, three or four sentences and write it down. That practice alone, that's not the only thing I do, but that practice alone is enough to set the intention for my day. And when I don't do that, when I don't take the five minutes out, today was one of those days I didn't. I didn't take that five minutes to do that. And I feel it. I feel it in a lot of different ways. I'm off a little bit. Um, things don't come as clear to me. And the question that you asked, uh, Ted, had to do with asking, what is mine to do today? Boy, if if folks listening to this aren't part of either organized religion or other spiritual practices, answering that question alone from the heart will change the day. And, you know, I grew up Catholic. Uh, I I have an ongoing uh, love affair with with Jesus, although I'm not, you know, what, a practicing Catholic. I don't know how you're not a practicing Catholic, but, you know, I learned so much from that spirituality and, and the things that I learned. And all of it for me comes back to one thing and the thing that you said. There has got to be room during the day for love. There's got to be a place or time, even if it's listening to a fabulous song, where we get to that place of love. And I, and I think that for a lot of us, we have had a hard time with the idea, as you said, Brother Jamal, the idea of loving ourselves. Do you know what I'm saying? And so the action, I think, as as I'm listening to the events of the day, the message for me is no different than the message that, that I share every day on the radio. And that is there is a place of love. That place resides in each and every one of us. And we are all connected mm-hmm. without a doubt. And imagine... Imagine what the, a day in the life of humanity looks like if everyone on the planet stopped and took time to truly love themselves. I mean, can you imagine that? Mm, beautiful. I, I love that practice of loving myself. What I do is every morning when I get up, I use that wonderful verse of gratitude. Oh God, favor upon favor have you bestowed upon this handful of dust. And then I focus on my heart. And I remind myself of that beautiful phrase, that revelation by God to Prophet Muhammad, where God says, you know, I cannot be contained in the space of the earth. I cannot be contained in the space of the heavens, but I can be contained in the space of the pure, loving heart. So I know that divine heart for me is in human heart. So I just focus on the heart. And from time to time, I tell my heart, I love you. Uh, And I say it with feeling, unabashedly no matter how awkward it feels, again and again and again, mm-hmm. and then silence. Mm-hmm. So that's my practice. Mm-hmm. And I have many things, but I, I, and I think of these things as Sabbath moments, uh, Shabbat moments, where I uh, have an opportunity for intention and centering and so forth. And, and I think one of the things that is the thread running through all these practices that I use in the morning is a line from the preface to Abraham Lincoln's devotional, where he was asked why he wasn't a member of a church. And he said, well, if you show me a church where the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself, where that is on the wall, uh, I'll join that church, he said. Mm. And so I think that's what I admire that. I need to keep that in front of me at all times. 
Interestingly, that's uh, uh, a piece from Jewish tradition that is quoted by Jesus several times in, in the Gospels. Um, it's a thread that connects all of us uh, because those sentiments are echoed in, in uh, the Quran and the Hadith in many different ways. Um, and so, and they keep they keep me from caving in on myself, which I do <laughs> periodically. But you're compassionate with yourself. <laughs> I need to be. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I am. Yeah. In Jewish tradition, the first lines, the first words to be spoken in the morning upon arising, Moda'ani lefanecha, um, I give thanks. Mm-hmm. I give thanks to you, holy, creative, universal presence of the universe, who's restored my soul. I have an opportunity for another day, but who's not only restored my soul, but who's restored my soul, bechemla, mercifully, with love. Rabba emunatecha, great is your loving kindness, great is your faithfulness. There is something deep at the heart of this universe and deep at the heart of me that can be trusted. And then the final thing that said at the end of the day before retiring is a prayer of forgiveness. Hardest thing for the ego to do. I now forgive everyone who has harmed me in any way, whether consciously, unconsciously, whether against my body, my reputation, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Why? Because gratitude in the morning opens a space for the heart to be and for us to focus on the events of the day and say, even though this is painful, even though I'm having difficulty in it, I am grateful for the opportunity that's being presented. Something is being presented. And then in the evening, letting the shells that keep manifesting around the heart from resentments and from guilt dissolve in the flow of forgiveness. Well, I want to thank the three of you uh, for uh, gifting me and the listeners with your wisdom, your love, and your connection. And we will always continue to let folks know about Interfaith Talk Radio, uh, the new time spot, and as you continue to grow. And I am forever grateful for the three of you, including me in your journey. Dr. Mm. Pat, you've been a godsend boon to us. As I said, you've initiated us, so our deepest gratitude to you. Yeah, thank you, Pat. Thank you very much. This is Interfaith Talk Radio for the last time, I guess, signing off as part of the Dr. Pat Worldwide Network. But certainly we are supporting her work and she ours with a deep feeling of gratitude. And let's just end this show with uh, permission from Olivia Newton-John to play her her, uh, song, Grace and Gratitude. Our prayers to all who are in need in this time of difficulty. Amen. All I have and all-